Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor on today's episode of The Mismatch. Me and Chris Vernon talked about a whole bunch. Talked about the all-star conversation with Luca getting the starting spot over Dame. We got into Toronto. They're turning their season around now. The sixth seed, the Celtics, whether they can get back into it and what Ainge and the Celtics could maybe try to do as a move. Talked about Utah. Their hot streak continues. LeBron hitting 35,000 points. The Nets having a good defensive team. And then we opened up the mailbag and answered some of your questions. Thank you, everybody, for sending out those. This is a great episode. Hope you enjoy it, too. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Kindness, <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> that was an energetic Friday intro, Chris. How you doing? Well, I'm doing well. <laughs> we got the All-Star Starters announced last night, and it was not without some controversy. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, it was named Brad Beal, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. In the Western Conference, the starters are going to be Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, uh, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, and it seemed as if there was only one big story that came out of this, or at least talking point, and that was... Luka Doncic being named a starter over Damian Lillard. That seemed to be the point of contention. Now, we do need to mention that uh, they tied and Doncic finished second in fan voting, uh, but was third behind Lillard in both media and player voting. That said, Doncic wound up being the pick to start because of fan voting, which made up 50% of the voting with the players in the media each getting 25% each. Uh, so that was the tiebreaker. Um, I am surprised, I think. Uh, By what part? I'm surprised that he won the fan voting. Um, International vote. Yeah. And I'm, the, not, I'm really not surprised by that aspect. Really? The, the international vote's strong. Um, 
Damian I'm Lillard's surprised. a popular I'm... guy. You know what I mean? Like, that is a popular oh, player. Yeah. Big time. He's got a, got a great sneaker, you know? Uh, popular and social. Uh, he is one of those that there are very, very, very few people that dislike Damian Lillard. Oh, yeah. He's, no, but no, I don't think anybody dislikes Dame. Yeah, have like you you're ever a, met anybody and, and, that was like, no. you know what? I hate that guy. It, it, unless like you're a fan rooting against him in a playoff series or a big game. Like, nobody yeah. really hates Damian yeah, Lillard. Like, Houston he's Rockets amazing. fans probably sure. hate him. Yeah. Yes. Right. But, and, but, regardless, but regardless, like yeah. between Luca and Dame, what surprised me, Chris, was the fact that there was such a strong reaction. Like to me, I wrote this on my column on Monday picking All-Stars. I feel like it's pretty much a coin flip. Yeah, between Luca and Dame, these guys are both having extraordinary individual seasons. Dame is checking all the boxes of what makes an MVP candidate. You know, he's carrying this Blazers team to an eighteen and ten record right now without Nurkic, without CJ McCollum. Like they have been really, really fun to watch. Like a lot of Blazers fans have been in my mentions lately, it's like yeah, because I, I kind of like you know cracked on them before the season, saying they're comically overrated. And I still think their defense is going to end up being the reason for their demise. They're ranked at 28th in defensive rating. And I think at some point, either during the season, you'll see those wins drop or at some point in the playoffs, that'll bite them. But that doesn't change the fact Dame is a brilliant player who is so fun to watch. But also, Luka has had incredible moments, too. I think their scoring has been at least comparable. I gave Luka the edge because of the better playmaking, because of the better defense, because of the better rebounding, but I, I wouldn't push back or argue against anybody who had Dame. Like the the guys having an MVP caliber season. Yeah, and I think the and, reason that uh, the reason I would have Damian Lillard is because of what you mentioned at first, which is this this overachievement as it feels once you lose CJ McCollum, and you I I have to look at that and say this team has massively overperformed in comparison to our expectations. And the other one is underperformed. Yeah, they have. And so the best guy on either of these two teams, um, w- one is on a team that is not where we thought they would be, um, and they are there because of him. And then on the other side... I, I, I take issue with that. I think a lot of people had Portland in the top four. No. A lot, a lot of people did. Not not this Portland. No, not no, Nurkic, CJ, definitely. That, that's fair. Okay, that's, like, that's fair. Not a, okay, people no, we're, on the, we're on the same page then. We're on the same yeah. page. And, and, the same page. And also, with, uh, you know, they, they haven't had Nurkic either. So, I mean, like, they're, they're second oh, and third we're in best agreement. players. I just wanted to check, like, compared to preseason expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but they're second the and third page. best players, so it's all yeah. relative. Yeah. Like, there's no chance that team has the fourth best record if they lose McCollum and sure. they lose Nurkic, Whereas right? Dallas, they undeniably have underachieved. And, like, yes. my, my thing with all-star voting this year, you know, I talked about this with Bill earlier in the week, like, only 38% of the season has passed. Usually when all-star voting is, is done, usually when you have to submit your ballots as a fan or as a player or as media, over half the season is usually done. It, it, like the last three years, I believe it's 51% of the season is complete. Mm. So we're doing all-star voting early. So for me, when I did my actual ballot, when I did my fake reserves, because coaches choose the reserves, I didn't even really look at record, to be honest with you, Chris, because like it's still so early in the year. It's still so early in the year that the four games of separation, the five games of separation, that can all change so quickly where, where it's kind of irrelevant. And maybe maybe Portland maintains or builds a lead even more over Dallas. Right now, they're up, I believe, five games on Dallas right now, 18 and 10 for Portland, 13 and 15 for Dallas. If you, someone wants to use that as like a, a way to choose one over the other, I get it. 
completely. Yeah, yeah. But, well, for, and, but for and, me, and, but for me, like it's still so early that I'm not well, really caring fair. about record. Your vote didn't matter anyway in regards to it fans. It's the not fan, like you vote, took yep. Luke over the top, right? He lost the media. He lost the media, but the fan, the fan voting is what he got. And honestly, this is just another Damian Lillard chip on the shoulder. Oh, Nobody yeah. believes in me. I'm, you know, put some respect on my effing name. You remember when he yeah. yelled that at the bubble after he hit a game winner? I mean, whatever, whatever works. I would well, use it look, too if he didn't it, put me on. Like, <laughs> I'd use whatever if I were an athlete. Anything. In context, I mean, look, he is so far, he is third in the NBA in scoring at 29.8 points per game. He averages seven and uh, 7.7 assists per game, four three-pointers per game, which is second in the NBA. His splits are 45-38-93. He's first in clutch points, first in clutch field goal percentage, first in Amazing. clutch three-point percentage, first in clutch free throw percentage, uh, and they have a 12-3 and record in clutch, what would be considered clutch games, uh, which is the best record in the NBA. So, I mean, and so, I mean, it's pretty clear, right? They're 12 and three in clutch situations. He's first in every category. So he is the reason that they are winning these games. And again, he gets to do the whole, put some respect on my name. I am, I, I don't get the, uh, I don't get the accolades that some of my peers do. What do I have to do type of thing? He's, and, I mean, he's got to be an all-star. I, I, right. I, I, saw, I, I forget who tweeted this yesterday, but can you name the all-star starters from like 2017? I can't. Oh, no. I, it becomes I, I dust in the wind. Exactly. So, yes. But like for the individual player, you can use that as fuel. For That's the right. for the fans, like you can use that as fuel and add to the chip on your shoulder that nobody is giving you credit. That is the fun in it. That yes. is like from a competition standpoint the fuel you need to just continue building, building, building. But ultimately like these two guys are both all-stars. They're both, if their teams finish up top, like top four in the standings in the West, either of them could potentially be an MVP candidate. Like Dame already is because of what he's doing on the court. These guys are both incredible. Here's a weird thing about this too, that I was thinking about last night is, and I thought this could happen last year during the playoffs against the Clippers, but instead the guy was out of his mind. Great. Um, Luke, I mean, and I said, I wonder if this is when the resent starts. I wonder if this is when people start really poking holes. And I couldn't help but wonder last night as I was watching that unfold and I was watching people be, you know, miffed that Damian Lillard wasn't an all-star starter, that if this was the moment where people not universally, but that, that that a lot of people turned on Luca, that all of a sudden now will be more apt to tear him down because he was given something like it was always up. There's always the honeymoon and then he's always proven himself over and over. But now he was given something that people feel at least in some quarters that he doesn't deserve. And that's when people start trying to poke holes and, you know, you know, then now, now all of a sudden the, the spotlight shines even brighter because I will tell you, Kev, if it were reversed, nobody would have said a peep. That's the difference here, right? If it would have been Dame named an all-star starter, I don't think people would have been going crazy saying, how is Luca not an all-star starter? But now that Luca's in that spot, the, the, the spotlight gets brighter 
And all of a sudden, now it's like, oh, this guy was rewarded over this other guy that and he didn't deserve it. It's a ridiculous. And no, it's, it's, it's a resent thing that comes I know, up. But, you know? I know, but it's ridiculous. I, to me, I think if anything else, Chris, Luca and Dame, those two guys, there's some similar similarities here. Damian Lillard is a championship caliber player who has yet to reach that mountaintop. Luca is a championship caliber player who right now you look at their team and they're like, huh, we've talked about this a bunch, Chris. How are they going to properly build around this guy so he can reach that the pinnacle? That's what I look at this well, as. Thing I mean, is it, it's, but it's not it's not on Dame that the Portland Trailblazers have never won a title. It's not on Luca right. if the Dallas Mavericks don't reach expectations this season. Like I think it's madness if people were to use something like this, the fan vote, the fan vote being a tiebreaker. Well, the other thing like, is come this. on, it's ludicrous. There are it's a ludicrous. lot. I, well, Luca is one of those to me that is also universally beloved, right? Like you don't like unless honestly, like what has he ever done? To make somebody dislike people, don't like they, the foul drawing. They're starting to, you know, hear okay, some chirping about it, that. Yelling at the bitching at the refs yeah. is a thing, right? That's a thing. But generally, he's pretty well liked. I mean, yes. like he, he, it's not like he's outspoken. He doesn't say anything. He, I, bet, I bet at some point the time will come, and I, you know, okay, I think with the officials with stuff like this, you're right. Like at some point, people are going to turn on him, and hate will build. Because he's that great of a player, and it happens to every great player who either underachieves or who fails in the postseason. Yeah, but and he, he didn't. A, he, and he, he his didn't. one he moment, didn't. he he's playing against a team with Kawhi well, and Paul George, I'm and he put saying, a team I'm on his back. I'm not saying he failed, yeah. Chris. I'm not saying he failed. I'm saying if that time comes, oh right, if right, that right. time comes, then then that that conversation starts to happen. That's when you have first take saying Luke has a choker and all that. That's, That's right. when everything happens. But we're not there yet. He had, if anything, the the inverse. He. Oh no! He was. I, I predicted it. I said, "Look, mm-hmm. this is, yeah. All they've got to do is deal with this guy, right? Yeah. Like, like, and and they've got these great perimeter defenders. They can throw at him. Like, people are going to set this up because they did it with Donovan two years ago, where it was like, ah, Donovan Mitchell's not that guy, right? He was trying his second year. He's trying to carry that team in the postseason, and he was like." the guy that could create his own shot. And so he had the ball. And then when he didn't have good splits, people jumped him. And now, you know, as the, as now, as time has gone on, we saw Donovan deliver in a massive way last year. And that kind of went away, but Luca did. I mean, he, he was, come on. He was hitting game winners against the Clippers in the playoffs. Are you with me on the Blazers, Chris? What I said uh, earlier about I'm still extremely worried about their defense. Like their offense is awesome. It's so fun to watch, but I still have concerns about this team. I think if they get their guys back, is there any chance McCollum's back this year? I hope so. You know? Okay. So I hope so. And I, and I he, hope Nurkic can look more like old yeah, Nurkic pre-injury. If, th- if those guys are back, I do think that this is a year where a, they've got a star for what it's worth. Chris, the, the injury McCollum suffered was the left midfoot fracture on January 16th. And news came out this week on January 16th that he'll be reevaluated in two weeks, but is not going to be returning in the immediate future. So we don't know yet. And hopefully he's able to get back. And so it's always going to be hanging out there. If uh, let me put this caveat in, if he is able to come back when you get to the playoffs and you've got a guy who is, in any given game, the best player on the floor and consistently plays as the best player on the floor. And that is what Damian Lillard qualifies as. You've got a chance. And they also have 
a real continuity about them if they get all those guys back. And so with the Davis thing hanging out there with Utah, you know, trying to make a West Finals for their first time with the Clippers showing real holes in the postseason last year and so have not proven you know, on the biggest stage that they could do it. I think they've got to be, I, th- I think Portland's got to be in the mix because anytime you could see him being the best player on the floor for a series in any series. And when you have a guy like that, I feel like they've got to be considered as a, a team to be trifled with. I think they are over uh, overachieving in a massive way right now. But I'm assuming, if you tell me I get that full roster, Sure, they've got a chance. Yeah, and I think that's the fascinating, you know, wrinkle of the season. That eighty injury out a month right now, the Achilles, and then you have a window here. There's a window for a team to surge late. Like mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the year, Denver figures it out. Maybe Dallas figures it out. The two primary teams in the West that are underachieving thus far a little more than a third into the season, but maybe a team has a late surge where then they enter that conversation where they're in that Portland category where it's like you could see them making that push. I mean, we'll see how the year develops. Like I said, it's early for all-star voting. It's still early to get a read on these teams because Portland feels like a team where they are going full throttle almost every single night. Like these guys are going hard. There are a lot of teams right now where I watch the game and it's like there is a little bit of lazy defense or they're they're purposely coasting. We see that primarily from the top teams, but I think it's true for some of the teams in the middle of the pack too, which is probably due to the fact that you have like the COVID protocols right now. You have a lack of practice time for every team right now. There's it's, it's a weird year. It's a weird season. And and I feel like when it comes to, to really breaking down who were those teams that could knock off the Lakers, I think that that logic, uh, that knowledge will be found in the latter half of the season. And I, and I, t- think you're probably I think that's what we're going to get this year. Usually it's the opposite. Like usually it's the yeah. opposite, but this year I think we're going to get it later. But I think you, I, I think Lillard deserves a uh, insane amount of respect for 100%. bringing it every single 100%. night. Yes. You never tune in mm-hmm. to a Portland game and he's mailing it in. Never disappointed. <laughs> like Damian Lillard always comes through and from an entertainment yes. standpoint. Like he is so fun. And I feel like that's probably why so many fans love him. Like you said, it's a little bit surprising that he didn't win the fan vote, even though the international fan aspect, but Dame is awesome. He's one of those players you can tune in every night and get a good show. Yeah. And it's not like he lost the fan vote to somebody that's generally disliked or yeah. something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like Luka Doncic, who's an international superstar who is great in his own right. Um, well, having one of the greatest seasons for a player in their third year ever. Again, just like he had one of the greatest rookie seasons ever. Yeah. Just like he had one of the greatest sophomore seasons ever. He's having another one of those again. It is kind of odd how this year it was a thing last year with Brad Beal and not being named and because it was like he was, he was having this amazing season. No one had had this kind of scoring season and not been given the credit that they deserved. And I wonder if there was, if this shows like a sea change in terms of not caring about record because be not dismayed. Yes. His numbers are fantastic. That team's been a big disappointment too. And I know they lost Thomas Bryant. I know, you know, there you tune them in. Thomas Bryant. Huh? It's Thomas Bryant. No, I know, but like, yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's, that's it's, not going to ruin their team. You no, know? but it's not. It's not just losing Thomas Bryant. It's what the 
what the drop off is. And when you tune them in, not and a the big other Alex night, Lund fan, Chris, not an Alex no, Lund fan. The other night they were starting <laughs> Garrison Matthews oh, and yeah, right. and Mo Wagner. <laughs> I love now, Mo Wagner. No, if, he shouldn't be a starter. I love Mo Wagner. You know what I'm saying? He, I do too, but he shouldn't be a starter, him. right? Your team's not good if Mo Wagner's your starting center. And, but the team's been, the point is, the team's been they a won, disappointment. They, they won the game. <laughs> teams have been, that team has been a disappointment, and yet people weren't able to overlook it last year, uh, this year, unlike they were last year, right? I mean, well, Brad, that's the funny. So I, I honestly, Chris, I've thought a little bit about this this week, and I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it, but last year at the time all-star votes were due, Bradley Beal was averaging 28 points per game, six and a half assists, five rebounds, and the and the Wizards at the time were 13 and 27. So they were not a good team. Bradley Beal did poorly in the fan vote, poorly in media vote, poorly in everything. This year, the team is probably worse. His numbers are better. He's averaging over 30 points. So, you know, that goes without saying. But I I think it's a reflection of how much he's been in the news. People are talking about Bradley Beal. They're talking about Bradley Beal trades. They're talking about how he's the next star that could be available, how all these teams should trade for him. Bradley Beal is like sulking on the bench. He's in the news. He's on ESPN. We're talking about him more on podcasts. I feel like there's just a greater awareness. Well, because they acquired Westbrook. Yeah, you know it, is, it did put a bigger spotlight on the team, but yeah. but like I, I don't know if it's as much about record as it is just the fact that there's a lot more attention on this guy, which is a good thing. It should yeah. be. It should be like this is great. I thought yeah. he got, like I didn't have him as a starter last year, but I thought he got snubbed for the team. Period. Mm-hmm. Which kind of odd still to me that the coaches didn't select him as a reserve. It's beside the point. That's what will be interesting. The coaches they probably look at record more when it comes to determining the reserves. And I wonder if that like bodes poorly for someone, someone like a Zach Levine, who's on you know the bubble for like or one of those last spots, or a Trey Young. That could really hurt those guys' cases to right. get in from the coach vote if that's what they're looking at. Which yeah, I do they reward they the, the guys on the winning teams? Mm-hmm. And they say, you know what, like, okay, you're putting up a bunch of numbers on the team that loses regularly. Congratulations, mm-hmm. you know. That's what um, might happen. Yeah, it might, it might, but he look. You don't. We don't have to worry about a Brad Beal debate this year because he was named a starter. Um, also, I think it does. You take a step back, and while we talk about it all the time, media talks about it. He gets debated on shows. The star power of Kyrie has to be recognized. It just does. I mean, he's obviously having a great statistical year, and Brooklyn's record Fantastic. is very good. But despite all of the off the court stuff, not being with the team for some time and whatever else. This guy is insanely famous <laughs> with a ton of fans. Yeah. And you're know, right. He's got the signature shoe and he is, he's been famous for a long time and people still really like him. They vote for him. When it comes time to vote for people, they vote for Kyrie Irving and I do think that that is so everybody can be down on a guy or everybody could roll their eyes about a guy or you could say, hey, he hasn't made teams better uh, in a long time, but he still has that star power. And when it comes down to it, he got voted in to be a, a starter on the team. And and maybe that's another thing too, Kev, is the whole conversation about, you know, uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I haven't really considered it all that much, but Luca does get talked about 
all the time. He probably does get talked about more than Damian Lillard. People talk about what's going on with the Mavericks more than it really outside of this last week. Dame got a lot of chatter. And so how much of it is really how much your name is in the news all the time? How famous are you? And I think it speaks to Brad Beal and Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving being the starters on that team and getting the amount of votes because again, you tune into ESPN, like those guys' names are being debated a lot. You know, I mean, they're just in, they're just in the public consciousness more. And I wonder the effect that has, whereas Damian Lillard is like the guy that kind of has to be forced into it. Nobody wrote the big sprawling, you know, Damian Lillard should be the MVP. And maybe if they did two weeks ago, then everybody's talking about Damian Lillard and it's a different world. But, you know, how much of it is just how much you get talked about. I'm sure that does have something to do with it. And I I think I thought it was interesting seeing the player vote for Zach Levine. He had the same amount of votes as James Harden did. Both of them had 58 player votes, but Mm. Levine finished fourth in the fan vote behind Harden, Kyrie and Beal. And he finished fifth in the media rank also behind Jalen Brown. I mean, it just shows the differences between, you know, how players are viewing the game, how fans view the game and then how media are voting the game. And so I I don't know. I I thought it was cool seeing the differentials and the votes. I'm I'm glad they use the fans. Do you have that pulled up right now? Yeah, I do. Do you have the chart? What was Kawhi's? Because I didn't look at it. He never gets talked about. Would you, I mean, you'd agree with me. Like he's like the guy that we, we, we just don't talk about him anymore. So Kawhi Leonard for the player vote, he was fourth behind mm. LeBron, Jokic, and AD mm. for the player vote, which is interesting. AD had 120 player votes, 107 for Kawhi. For fan rank, he was third behind Jokic and LeBron. For media rank, he was third behind Jokic and LeBron. And for what it's worth, with the front court in the West, there was almost a near consensus. So LeBron had 100 votes. All 100 media members had him. 99 had Jokic. 91 had Kawhi. So it was pretty strong right there. Yeah. Like very few other players got votes. I mean, Gobert was the most with five, but Gobert didn't do well in, in the player vote <laughs> or the fan vote. Yeah. So me- Are you media, surprised media that Kawhi did that high in the fan vote? No, because production doesn't lie. No. And, Ka- and Kawhi, even though he isn't yeah. like vocal player, he is still insanely popular. He's still insanely popular. Yeah. Well, I've never seen anybody wearing a pair of Kawhi New Balances, but um, me neither. <laughs> but I, I think that's part. Of, I think that's part of the brand is that he's just so different than like oh, okay. all these other star players. But do they even know, sell him? <laughs> I think. I think. I think fans, fans, players, media did a good job choosing the teams, and I don't really have any major complaints. I'm just. I just hope the game is safe if it happens, which it probably will happen. Yeah. Hey, I'll I'll rock them. Send me a pair of New Balance. I love New yeah. Balances. <laughs> you know, my my, uh, my parents. You know, my dad used to. I have a picture of my my dad and my mom. One day when he was getting chemo, I have a photo of them both wearing New Balances. Is that right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're gonna get them some Kawhis. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. All right, let's go. Let's get through a couple other things. Uh, quick hitters. 
Toronto's gotten it going. They were the team that was featured last night on TNT as these, uh, you know, the the All Star voting uh, came out, and then there was a game which was the Bucks and Toronto. When I saw, I mean, it, I, you know, we were on a group text last night, and I said, I I do think it's hard to draw too much from the Bucks' performance when they're starting Dante DiVincenzo and Brent Forbes. Right? Well, they're going to be starting DiVincenzo possibly moving forward. But in the absence of Drew Holiday. Yeah. Like, that, that is a radically different team, and the numbers bear that out. That being said, they were wildly unimpressive. And on the flip side, Toronto has gotten it going. They have been, you know, they, they've got a very hard deal this year with, you know, not not being at home, not being literally at, in their homes, not just uh, to play basketball in their actual homes that they own in yep. Toronto. They're, they they're, are they're the Tampa Bay Raptors. Yeah, they've That's been they displaced are. this year. Um, so everything feels like being on the road, I'm sure, when you're playing for that team. And they made you know, their team changed a lot. No Marcus All, no uh Serge Ibaka, major cogs for that team last year. But Norman Powell's gotten going. Obviously, Ooh, Van Vliet good. has been outstanding. Boucher has been a revelation this year. Powell's been so good. So that good. Lowry feels a little bit more like tradable. Like Powell, Powell Van Vliet starting backcourt's been really dynamic together. Yeah. And that team, you know, they've got a bunch of good players still. <laughs> they do. If Powell plays, you know, Powell is easily the most anonymous 16-point-per-game guy from last year. Like, anytime anybody sees and they look him up, they're like, he averaged 16 points a game, <laughs> right, like last year. But, I mean, he's been good. Uh, and he wasn't uh, – he, he didn't start the season very well, as did – that was true of a lot of their players, honestly. Did not start the season all that well. See, Would you trade Norman Powell for Andre Drummond? Hell no. No? Okay. That, so I asked that because in recent, in recent, in like the last week or so, you have the Raptors being connected to Andre Drummond. Yeah. Oh. And, and people around the league think Powell would be the name in that. Personally, I look at that and I'm like, no, <laughs> why, why would you trade 27 year old Norman Powell? Who's looking like a really, really strong rotation player for you for consecutive years now for Drummond who solid big, but uh, not the guy that I'd want there to me. If I'm Toronto, like they get a good thing going with these young guys. Well, and I'm going to say something that I Powell, don't normally OG. say about, uh, about teams and the moves they make. But I will tell you this. If they did it, that would be one of the few teams where I would say, he's Ooh. smarter than me. Yep, yep, I'm with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, let's see how it pans I, I out. That's not, what I'd say. Yeah. Uh, my immediate reaction is no, and that's just because of Drummond and kind of what he brings to the table, and I like Powell. But if they did it, I am... I'm I'm, I'm saying this on the air now. If they did it, it's not like I would fake it and say I'm gung-ho about it. But there's always in the back of my mind, this dude, this dude has had the Midas touch on a lot of things, this Masai Ujiri. So if it worked out, it wouldn't be shocking to me. I'm just not, I, I, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know how much Andre Drummond helps you win. That's really what it comes yeah. down to. I don't and, know how much he helps you win. And right now the Raptors have 
just, I mean, like they obviously got off to a slow start, but I love their collection of younger players still. There's still like a foundation here to build upon. I mean, Van Vliet's awesome. Chris Boucher, the years he's had off the bench for them. I mean, uh, I, I, even Watanabe coming off their bench and bringing energy when he's gotten opportunities. Like he's he's so good defensively. Like the energy, the, everything he brings on the off on the defensive end is is the qualities you want off your deep bench. Like Toronto's got a lot of talent on their team still, and like Siakam has been better lately. Like they're they're a quality team, and they're on their way to you know, sticking in the playoffs and maybe even moving up uh, the standings. And Nick Nurse obviously gets a benefit of the doubt, too, in terms of how to use guys. That being said, I just, I don't know, man. Like, we're a year removed from Andre Drummond, you know, Detroit doing everything they could to not attach a first-round pick. I can't explain that enough. Like, they just well, Partially due to the salary. For, I, to, right. Like, it's, it's part, but that salary is about to be up. So it's about Norman what does Powell he want for this next one? have a bad contract. Norman Powell's got a good contract. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Norman Powell's the kind of guy that, you, like that. If you got rotation guys making the money Norm Powell makes, you're doing all right. Powell this year is making ten point eight million. Then next season he has a player option for eleven point six million, which so is great. He, he he could actually be a free agent himself. Yeah, but that it, it, he might be. But that would be tremendous value if you picked it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're I, right. I think if you're if you're a Toronto, maybe you do that type of hmm. Powell Drummond thing. If you don't feel any confidence that he's going to stay, and that yeah. if that's the case, then maybe you do it and you get Drummond. Maybe with Drummond, you you remove the post ups, you have him screen and roll more, and you know do that thing and and lean on those strengths rather than the weaknesses of well, the post ups. You got a crap so ton get, of money a, falling off your books. Yeah, you do. You got a a ton of money falling off your books, which would enable you to you know, kind of redo this thing on the fly. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, uh, but anyway, they have, they've been playing really well, uh, Toronto, and it's unsurprising that they get back into it. Let me ask you about a team that has not been playing very well, and that is the Boston Celtics. And Danny Ainge yesterday went on Boston radio, and, I mean, he said what everybody already knows, which is like, this is not a team that could compete at the highest level um, as it is currently constructed. So we we all agree with that. Um, Kemba Walker not being good this year is a massive problem. Uh, that being said, what can you do? If Danny Ainge called you and said, Kevin, I seek your guidance. <laughs> I'm, I'm at a loss. What can I do? Uh, what should I do to, what, what should I be out there looking for to try to make this a team to augment this team? So it can compete on the highest level. You know, uh, there's two ways of looking at this. You could make a move for like a Nikola Vucevic, who undoubtedly is an upgrade for you at the center position and adds a new dimension with his ability to facilitate at the high post for you and at the elbows. Like Vucevic is a really good player. And by the way, a borderline all-star. For all the reasons we talked about earlier, I'm doubtful he'll make it, but he's a borderline all-star. And that's nothing to, to, to you know, to, to, to not... For with Vucevic being as good as he is right now, he would make a massive impact on Boston. However, Chris, does that make you into a finals contender, which is ultimately the goal? I'm not so sure about that because of you know the downfalls on the defensive end, how Embiid could beat him up, how Giannis could beat him up. Like I don't know what you do if like you're in a series against the Bucks and they go Giannis at the five. That could be trouble. But that's trouble with or without Vucevic. And so to me, like I still look at the Celtics. I'll say the same thing to you that I said to. Bill on his podcast, to me, the priority is still trying to set yourself up to get a Bradley Beal. 
that needs to be the priority to me. Like it's trying to set yourself up for that potential over the off season. How do you do that? I mean, you have the trade exception. You could extend that essentially by trading for a Horford who would be a near expiring contract. That would not be a hard deal to pull off. There's some downfalls that by adding a salary like that now, but for Boston, they still have to, they have to have some sense of urgency because Tatum and Brown are young players who are ready to contend, but they also can't panic because those guys are such young players. <laughs> they just need to time it right within the next year or two before it gets to the point that their contracts are near up. Because when they're near up, that's when the chatter starts talking about like who's going to poach Tatum from Boston, who's going to poach Brown from Boston. We're not any, we're nowhere close to that. These guys just sign deals. What but can you Celtics, get anything they, for? They, they do need a little bit of urgency in the next Smart. couple of years. Marcus from Vucevic. No, no, I'm just saying Marcus Smart. Like I, I'm saying, what can you get anything for? I mean, you have all of your future first round draft picks. Mm. You have multiple young players in that team, including Smart. You know, you could. Neesmith still might have interest to a team, even though he struggled during his rookie yeah, year. Yeah, I'm just Grant trying to put, uh, if you're interest. putting together contracts, right? Like Smart is like well, I, Tristan, I, I Th- Tristan Thompson makes nine million. Daniel Tice makes five. I mean, so you can get to fourteen there. Smart makes mm. over ten million. So like you do have pa- deals that you can package together uh, to get either a higher salary guy. You have the traded player exception, which can't be packaged with other deals, but that can because of the. Uh, but you'd go the hard big gap. shopping. That's what you yeah, think. Yeah, too. I mean, I. I it depends on the price, man. Like, what what does Orlando want for Vucevic? I'm not splurging here on Vucevic, yep. but but he Vuce is a really good player. And if the price is right, then maybe that's a move you make. Interesting. He is. A, he I, is I, a just nice don't, I don't know. I, I've tried to find out. Like, what would Orlando want for Vuce? It's unclear right now how yeah. much they'd really want. The Utah streak continued, Kevin. We talked about it on Tuesday. Since that time, not only did they keep on winning, they kept on covering. This is <laughs> I, it, like historic, truly historic. That Vegas still cannot catch up to this team, and just, they, I, I'm too late now. Now, now. <laughs> it's crazy. But I mean, it just happened again. You know what I'm saying? Like we talked about it on Tuesday. So now they play a big game. Vegas tries to throw a line on it. It's still not enough. Like they end, they end up, they end up winning again and covering again, and the thing continues. And so, like in terms of overachievement, I have never seen anything like this. And I don't know. Uh, th- there will inevitably be if this keeps on continuing. We're about to get the 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 articles about how truly historic this must be, because a team that just like it's one thing to win all the time; it's another thing to win and beat the Vegas line every time. They're and awesome, dude. I think they go tonight, right? I, they, they, they got uh, the Clippers. Clippers tonight. What's uh, Let me see if I can find the number on it uh, to see what what they're favored by tonight so people could keep a lookout for this. Uh, tonight, at the Clippers, they're three and a half point favorites as it looks right now, as the time of recording. So that is a late game tonight, but they are three and a half point favorites against the Clippers. So they do it against the Clippers at the Clippers. <laughs> they continue that streak. We already touched on the AD thing. We also do need to mention just briefly, LeBron crossed 35,000 points. The team lost last night, uh, but he did get his 35th thousandth point. And it just highlighted that he is well on his way 
to becoming the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Um, very few have ever done that. It's remarkable. Gotten to 35,000, and I do think that, you know, when our kids grow up, uh, they are going to know, you know, the same way that the last several generations have known Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to be that guy, LeBron James will be that guy that scored the most points in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's a, we shouldn't take it for granted. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. We, <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank we, you, Chris. You're 100% right. <laughs> we asked our listeners for mailbag questions. Talk, we didn't talk about the Nets. We didn't talk about the Nets at all. Oh, Yeah. Well, they're the team that beat the. They are the team that beat yeah. the Lakers last yeah, night. Let's talk. Um, oh, what do you want to say? I mean, I'm just saying, like with this team, how do you, how are you feeling about their defense? I've said for weeks that I think you know the concerns are real, a little bit overblown. That this team is figuring out, as Steve Nash said last night, their primary defense. I like what they're doing with Bruce Brown playing the five for them on offense and then playing, you know, defending guards and wings on offense. It's really intriguing. This is truly positionless basketball. Once you have KD back, I feel good about the nets right now, man. I feel good about what their defense can be. I think they are going to have to outscore people. And I think that there's a, not a problem. I think there's a great possibility, but in terms of getting me to believe in their defense, no, I do not. The question is, will that matter? But no, I do not believe in their defense. I With still the, think there's a move for them to make, too. I mean, I know they dealt all their future picks, but there's still an addition for them to make either through the buyout market, like a, like a Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. or if Andre Drummond, if it were to come to that, or a trade for a guy like as part of a three-team deal. Like, let's just say with Norman Powell, just to bring that name up again. Mm. Let's just say Powell was to get sent to a third team. In that type of situation, Nets could pull something off with the I salaries just think they, they got. They need... They need somebody to be able to man the paint, right? And to be able to not get killed for every rebound. Um, and you're going up against a lot of you're, you're going up against Joel Embiid, and you're going up against uh, you know whoever Pascal Siakam, and you're going up against uh, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And you're, I mean, you're you're, you're, gonna you're gonna laugh at me, Chris. What if DeAndre Jordan just turns up? In the postseason, like oh his God. effort is, are you his, serious? His effort is so poor right now. Everybody Dude. talks about KD not trying, no. Kyrie not trying, Harden not trying. Nobody talks about DeAndre Jordan not trying. No. Nobody talks about like a, a slightly above average at best player right now not trying and being bad. But DJ, if he's putting in a hundred fifty percent effort in a postseason setting, is that like the answer within on the roster? Like, I'm I'm not saying that will happen. No, I'm just asking the question, Chris. Yeah, that's my why, answer. Why no. no, though? Like he he had a good stretch in a game with Brooklyn, Milwaukee, playing defense against those big Milwaukee lineups. He had a good first two and a half, three quarters in that game. I, I do not believe there's, in there's DeAndre Jordan at all, and I think he would be uh, viciously attacked in a postseason setting. And you might be right. You might be one hundred percent right. All I'm doing is asking the question: Like, yeah. is it possible? It's no. just something on my mind when I watch this team because his effort is so bad. I am right saying now. you need a drastic upgrade from DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> I tell you this: I mean, obviously, the guy they had to let go in order to pull off the deal, Jared Allen. I mean, he would be that makes that team a different yeah. world. If only but you can if get you guys combine, like Jared Allen. <laughs> you really do need like if you had a Jared Allen type. Yeah. 
for that team, it would be spectacular. Now, do I believe in their offense? Of course. Come on. I mean, what's not to believe in? It's it's the defense and the fact that can you can you find somebody big that will not just get punished over and over? Because that does, if there is a big on the other team that can destroy you, that's going to make your team have to slow down quite a bit. And you're playing a lot more half-court basketball, and then it's just I take a turn, you take a turn. You know? Which, again, the turns that they're taking are three of the best offensive players ever. Oh, yeah. It's, so, pretty, it's a pretty good, pretty it's good pretty, system. I, I like it, what they got going. Um, yes. I mean, Phoenix, look, they, they Phoenix turned it off and got caught bad, and Harden was otherworldly in that game. Phoenix also dropped like 70-something points on them in the first half of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just so... Like I said, they're coasting. They're coasting, that team. But one thing, one quick note before we get to the mailbag. There was one note that someone left in the mailbag, Chris, that stood out to me, and it's an idea that I wanted to pass along to you. So it's from Daniel. He emailed me about the 3 and D label, right? And how it's been discussed a lot recently. Mikael Bridges told basketballnews.com he doesn't like the label. The three doesn't like cover what they do offensively. I had it in my video about Bridges. Zach Lowe had it in his 10 things last week. And so Daniel writes this. Teams aren't just looking for a three and D player anymore. They're looking for a three and D player who can do more. But we don't yet have a neat label for what that player is. I suggest a new label. The three D player. The player who plays high-level defense, who can shoot threes, but also drive and dish. The 3 and D label is still useful, particularly as a lot of players begin that stage. But the goal is for them to develop into more. The 3D label recognizes that. So, Chris, I read that email and thought it kind of works because 3D captures the player's ability to defend. Mm-hmm. It captures their ability to hit three pointers. It captures their ability to drive to the basket either off of closeouts or in transition or off of handoffs. And it captures their ability to dish the ball out to a teammate and make the proper play. I feel like it just kind of captures <laughs> what you want out of like those Mikel Bridges, out of a PJ Tucker more than three and D does. Do you like Daniel's idea of the three D label instead of three and D? I, I don't think that we need the label on those players. I think what we call them Why is not? good because we call them good basketball players. Like I understand Mikel What's Bridges. What's wrong with that category? We say like sharpshooter, rim protector. But Mikel Bridges was saying he didn't like it because it limits what these guys are, right? That they are just defenders that can knock spot up threes. If we are adding in the ability to drive a dish, there's nothing they can't do. We don't need well, a label th- on well, them. No, because no. The, you're not a guy who runs an offense. You're not somebody who's like orchestrating, who's playmaking for your team, who's running the show. Like that, like that's a totally different category. Again, but we are saying that these players, they are a specific type of player, like the Trevor Reza's, the Bruce Bowens, or whatever yeah. else, that that's what they can do. It's kind of like a rim runner. Well, and then I say, well, we need to recategorize rim runners to guys that can also dribble and pass. Like a rim runner that can dribble so and pass. In, in, other, I mean, in other words, you're just not a fan of these labels, any well, of them. No, I'm fine with the labels. I'm saying we have those labels because of the limitations. Now, if he says I shouldn't be labeled as that, then I think that's fair. But that doesn't mean there aren't other guys that aren't three and D players. You know what oh, I mean? There are. 
for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are. are those kind of players. Like the other I think guys. Da- I think Daniel's point is is like playing off of Zach's article last week with ten things is is there a better way to categorize these players? Like rim runners is self explanatory. Rim protectors is self explanatory. Is there a better way than three D? Maybe just dropping the and is better. A three D player. Okay. I'm just throwing the idea out there. I kind of liked it. I'm into it. I'm just curious to throw it out there into the into the the podcast universe. I want to know what listeners think about it too. And are there better ways to categorize and talk about player positions? Because the league today is so positionless, Chris. It's so positional. We just talked about Bruce Brown and passing who played point guard in college and he's a rim running center essentially for the net setting all ball screens rolling to the basket. But then on defense, he plays like the guy who's six foot four, six foot five, a guard and a wing. But offensive and defensive positions are so different with the way the game is truly positionless nowadays. So I, I, it's just, I thought Daniel's email is along the lines of what I've been thinking about is how can we better slot players and, and a big part. And I'm thinking about this also because of the draft guide, Chris, like when we talk about prospects, how do you best categorize these players with what their potential roles and responsibilities could be in the NBA? So I'm, I'm into 3d. Well, and I think it. in large part, like that whole three and D thing, like the defense is the reason that we have, you kind of come to terms with the defense is the major reason that they're on the court. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the foundation. And then they kind of just do this other thing on offense. They don't do all that much more, but that they are on the court because of the defensive prowess that they bring. And then they could do this other thing too. Right. So, uh, I, I do think that those players still exist. I understand if somebody like Mikel Bridges doesn't want to be pigeonholed into that. I don't know if we need a bunch more terms for what kind of players are, though. <laughs> That's all I'd say. Uh, not I mean, Look, it's a good idea, right? And I don't know. I mean, how many guys is that for, is what I would say. Are we doing this because Miguel Bridges didn't Probably, like being called three and D? I, I think that's what makes it a little, little difference. It's not all of them. It's like almost like uh, like Pokemon, you know. So you, it's you, it's Miguel Bridges you, it's and like, a couple it's like other you, go, you go from three and D to three D, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like Pikachu to Raichu. <laughs> Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 
All right, let's go to uh, the mailbag. We asked our listeners to send in some questions. Producer Sasha is here. She has whittled them down. Hundreds and hundreds of emails came in, and she whittled them down. You're to not the actually best wrong ones. about that, but oh, oh, okay. oh, <laughs> that was literally okay, hundreds. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. All right. All right. Uh, so. You read them all. Did we get some good questions? I did read all of them. We did get some very good questions. And actually, this one is related to what you were just talking about. So this is from John. He said, obviously, Chris has an affinity for players that have that dog mentality on the court. I was wondering if you have one particular trait can be intangible or physical that you find yourself drawn to in the evaluation process. Doesn't have to be anything major, but maybe just something that small that causes you to tick one guy a notch higher than another. Oh, toughness! You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that—that that is the thing, right? Grit, uh, because, hustle. Yeah. yeah, I think that there are guys like that. Typically, what I have found is that those guys are the ones that are. They end up being most committed. They are driven. It's whatever that is that they have. They. They are willing to do anything in order to achieve what they want to achieve. And it's the guy that will dive on the court for the ball. It was a guy that will go in there amongst big guys and rebound. It is the guy that will, whatever, whatever it takes um, in order to win. And that it does stand out. There are not a lot of guys that are willing to do that. And there's also a lot of guys that have entire careers because they are willing to do that. It's the guy that when you watch the game, that guy's playing harder than everybody else. And it's not just he appears he is. He really is. He is. Playing harder than everybody else. And so I always want those guys because I think not only outside of their individual numbers, I think it has a profound impact on the rest of the team. And I don't think basketball teams are any different than, you know, any work, any line of work. If you, if you were to see, uh, if you went to a sales office and there's one guy that every single day he's out there hustling, he's never at his desk and he's bringing in, you know, he's, he's, he's making it happen. He's bringing in sale after sale, after sale, after sale, you can either look at him and feel stupid, like, why am I not working that hard? Or, or bitch about him and never achieve anything. Or you can meet that level. And what you find, especially in professional athletics, is a lot of those guys, they want to meet that level. They look at that sales guy, as the analogy I made, and they say, I'm going to play just as hard as him because it stands out that I'm not. And so they end up having this trickle-down effect on the rest of your team, too. It's, it sets a tone, and you yeah. remember those moments. I mean, like, when I, think of, when I think about, you know, I'm not a visual person, but when I think about the moments that I'll recall from the season, it's like Dennis Schroeder diving for the loose ball twice. Yep. It's Ben Simmons having a chase-down block when he's out of the frame on the TV, and you can't even see them until the moment he's about to block the shot. Right. It's those moments from players who just give it their all in a January game. Yep. <laughs> you know, a February game. Those are the players that I want to win with, the players that I want to build with, and the players that if I were a GM, I'd want to draft, sign, target, everything else. Those are winners. And anybody that brings that mentality on a consistent basis, I'll always have a thing for them. Just and like I think you, Chris. it speaks to uh, it's it's not just it's 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 not just uh in 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 basketball either. Like we end up 
lionizing these guys or certain plays whenever. I guarantee you, if I bring up DK Metcalf, one of the first things that comes up is Hustling him chasing. Back. Yep. Yes, him yep. chasing down a guy getting a pick. Mm-hmm. And like, just like all these years later, it's like Ben Watson for the Patriots, the same right. thing in the playoffs, all these years later. I remember that about Ben Watson, but I'll tell you what, I can't really remember. I know he had some like big touchdown catches. I know he was a great blocker, but when I think about Ben Watson, I always remember him in the playoffs, nearly saving a touchdown return against the Broncos because of the effort and the heart in that moment. And th- that's what sticks with you more than anything else. All right. Next question. Uh, let's do this one. Hopefully this will start a conversation. Zach says Simmons versus Ingram. He says still think Ingram is better, even though he's a zero on defense. Which... Oh, this is a shot at me. <laughs> oh, uh, Bill, oh Bill, Simmons, me, Bill Simmons versus Laura Ingram. I take Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I take Bill. Uh, yeah. Ben Ben Simmons versus so like this is a shot at me from Zach because I tweeted out beginning of last season Brandon Ingram is now Uh, better than Ben Simmons mm -hmm. well I think I have the right to change my mind for sure I'm only gonna uh, react to what happens in front of me and be fair and honest and right now Ben Simmons is better than Brandon Ingram I still think Brandon Ingram can be better than Ben Simmons until he starts defending consistently until we see him defend at the same level or better than he did in his last two years with the Lakers, especially that last season until he does that. He won't be better than Ben Simmons. We did a big video breakdown of Ben Simmons this week for the void and talking about his game and how the winning qualities he's plays with. I mean, everybody talked about that play against Damian Lillard, but he's brought that level of defense consistently with the Sixers offensively. He's doing the little things for that team. He's screening off ball, man. He's setting off ball screens to get teammates open. Like it's those little things that I respect in a player and Ingram's fantastic. Still like a top 20, 25 guy. Like it's not super big difference between those two, but Ingram needs to start bringing it on defense for the Pelicans to be a better team and for Ingram to be better again than yeah. Ben Simmons. But Simmons is better now. Number one. I want to thank Zach Lowe for that question. Number two, <laughs> um, here's the real question. I understand, and I think you are. it's totally fair, that opinions are fluid. We are giving our yeah. opinion on all matters in the moment, right? And when the information changes, unless you're a dumbass, your opinion changes, Right. And so we are constantly taking in new information. And so the idea that we would stick to opinions no matter what is is ridiculous. But I am going to pin you down on this. The best way to frame that, no offense, Zach, is not who is better. Next five years, which player would you rather have? Have you altered your opinion in that way? It's mm. a good question. Um I mean, can I, can I, before I give an answer, I'll say this. I still think Ben Simmons needs a split shooting hands. Uh, I still think he does. I still think he needs to maximize himself and who he can be as a shooter. But I also think bringing it, Brandon Ingram needs to start bringing it consistently on defense. I do okay, think. Okay, so be let me, easy. let me correct myself. Thought, there me, is me, an opinion that has I, not I didn't changed. Answer your question yet. <laughs> I didn't answer your question yet, Chris. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying there is an opinion that hasn't changed. You still believe that. Well, no, <laughs> I, I still believe in Brandon Ingram and I still think this guy can be one of the, the better players in the game, but he needs to bring it defensively and it's easier for you to change your defense and your, and your effort than it is for you to change your jump shot to go from a zero to like a 
uh, C plus or C minus mm. as a shooter. It's an easier transition for Ingram, so I would take him. But dude, like I'd be happy to have either of those guys. I like please give me either. I would take Ben Simmons, and I believe that this will look good when they are playing in the NBA Finals. Wouldn't shock me. I believe they're, they're they're so good. I think the Simmons stock is going to go up exponentially as this season goes on and then as the playoffs go on. Because if this is the Embiid you get and maybe even another level playoff-wise, I think they are going to be a bitch to beat. I really do. I would take Ingram simply out of loyalty. You have an Ingram jersey? (laughs) You have an Ingram LA jersey? He was, I think Lakers fans are always going to be loyal to Ingram and Lonzo and all those guys, right, I Sasha? I don't even know. Lonzo is falling out of favor, but <laughs> I think... <laughs> falling out of favor. But, but Ingram will truly always be, like, literally number one top of the list. He He's a baby boy. He's truly the baby boy. He was so tiny and skinny when we got him. Yeah. He, was, he was, like, 18. It was... Yeah. We'll be with, he'll be huh? with us forever. Okay, so this one's from Brendan. I'm in my last year of law school and want to become an NBA agent. In your experience covering the league or working closely to it, do you have any agent horror stories or any tips you might have on being a successful ethical agent? (laughs) I don't. That's an interesting question. I really don't. I don't have any agent horror stories. I can't recall. How about with the way agents have maybe interacted with you personally? That's what I mean. I, yeah, I I don't no. think I've had a yeah I've I haven't I haven't really had a horror story where an agent has gotten involved out. in a way that <laughs> yeah I I can't I can't recall that I never really heard from agents like if they were mad about what I said about their clients or anything I mean yeah. like I a lot of that stuff I mean I, I tell you this a lot of that stuff got cleaned up a, like a long time ago in terms of agents and people, you know, nefarious people being involved. Um, that, you know, there are so many guys that had bad advice around them and maybe they had some agent that wasn't really an agent and he was just kind of a buddy or a family friend who ended up getting licensed or whatever. But there's so many guys that went broke that now most everybody signs with reputable people right there Mm -hmm. are only so many and right there there there's only so many and obviously leon's now uh with the uh with the knicks but i mean there was like you you signed with leon rose or maybe like you know uh you signed with mark bartlestein or you signed with caa or you signed with raymond brothers i mean like it there was only there was uh, dan fagan had half the nba at one point i mean there wasn't that many that were yeah. and and there weren't like a million small time guys um that were that were doing the thing and so i think so many guys there were such horror stories and guys went broke and that guys managed their money poorly that i think now uh guys are so much more mature and virtually everybody that comes out signs with somebody that has a real track record and is very reputable and has a lot of connections. And I think most of the horror stories would come from, you the know, past. Yeah. yeah so, not, I mean, so I would, my, yeah. my advice would be, and again, you could do whatever you want to do and you can start from the ground up. But I mean, latching on to one of those big, big agencies, I do think internships, entry level jobs. Yeah. yeah. I think that would yeah, that, that type of thing. is to be a part of, you know, one of the biggers. 
No doubt. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of like, you know, any tips on being a successful ethical agent, I mean, I think it's only natural for a lot of agents to to try to talk up their clients. Sometimes sure. I'll get texts from like agents with stats mm. or like in the past I've ripped, I've ripped some of their players and heard from them. And I always say to an agent, like, I'm going to be honest. Yep. I'm going to be honest. If like you have a client who everybody's hating on, but I like their game, I'm going to say I like their game. If you have a client who I, I don't like the way they're playing, I'll be honest about that. And I think as an agent on that end of it, I've had good relationships with people for that reason, because of that honesty. And so I think it goes from the agent side too, just being honest, That's right. being open and being respectful, no different than any other job or career line can help you build stronger relationships. So I think, you know, being ethical is simply just as yeah. simple as being a, a good person. <laughs> That's right. And be straight you know, up. So yeah, be, for, be straight yeah. up with people. And people yeah, be straight up. Be honest. Generally will reciprocate yeah. that. Yep. Absolutely. I I I'm, I think you'll do great, Brendan. Um definitely go for an internship or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question here. It's from A V. Sorry if I mispronounce. Who would be on your guys' rising stars game ballot and which rookie sophomore players uh that have not popped already have the biggest chance of popping in the second half of the season? Ooh, I kind of like this question. I have not researched this. So this is going to be off the top of my head. Um, In terms of guys that would be on the rookie sophomore, um, you know those top guys are going to be there. Um, Now, they're not doing that this year, right? I have not read anything I, I you know i know they're doing dunk i know they're doing three point but i haven't seen anything about them doing a rising no, stars right I, I haven't seen that either like it's like it's a lot of the obvious names like zion and ja yeah yeah tyler yeah. hero would be there i'd love to see somebody like a keldon johnson he would get there now i'd, I, I'd love to see keldon johnson in that game yes. that would be fun um pj washington even <laughs> come off the bench <laughs> yeah let me see uh, I, I the you know, look, we're not going to come up with like a bunch of names that people don't T-H-T. know. Yeah, this one's tough. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I like it, Sasha. We aren't going to come up with a bunch of names that people don't know, obviously, for the rookies, you know, the guys that are there at the top. And a lot of them have gotten their opportunity. I will give you one that I think is a possibility of popping in the second half, and that is. Uh, that is Obi. I think Obi could pop Obi, huh? in the second half. He hasn't really been there. He's playing in New York. Quickly has come into the mix. Quickly has been the draft pick, right? But I mean, they used a top ten pick on Obi, and so and and it got started off on the wrong foot, literally the wrong foot. <laughs> um, at the beginning of this season with the injury. And so he was really set back. So now after we take the time off and if he can get himself into the rotation um, on a regular basis, I would say OB is the one and Lord knows he'll get all kinds of attention, but he would be, he would be the one because it hasn't gone. You know, we've kind of seen a lot of the other guys uh, contribute already that we expected to contribute already, but we haven't really gotten to see him yet. I think a couple other names that come to mind, Patrick Williams with the Bulls. I'm loving Mm. the way he's playing. I mean, he wouldn't go number one in a redraft, but maybe five, six years from now, he could, because I I love what I'm seeing with his development as a scorer off the dribble with size. Isaiah Stewart with the Pistons bringing energy, contagious energy, kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier with Hustle. So those two names come to mind as guys that maybe pop in the second half. Yeah, and maybe maybe Hampton gets in the mix a little bit more for Denver. 
That's another one that's been out there that, right? Like Sadiq Bay for another Detroit player. I like the way base playing. Well, he too. just won player of the week, didn't he? I think he just won somehow, player of the week in the NBA. Somehow. Yeah, <laughs> Crazy. Uh, I'm actually going to see him in person for the first time tonight. Okay. I'm kind of excited. It's the only thing to care about. When you're watching the Pistons, I think, right? Jeremy Grant <laughs> season, whatever. Well, Jer- I mean, Jeremy Grant's been awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, he's been awesome. But uh, I was hoping to get to see your guy, Killian Hayes, but that is mm. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm still so disappointed about that, man. Like, playing hurt early in the year, having that injury. Imagine like, me. It's two in a row. Uh, I, I don't get to see yeah. of the Kevin O'Connor All-Stars. Poku oh, yeah. was in the G uh, League, so I didn't get to see him <laughs> the other night. And now I don't oh, get to see God. Killian Hayes. P- Poku's a mess. Don't look at his G League numbers. <laughs> Don't, don't look at him. Don't look at his G League bubble numbers. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, I recall a certain podcast where Bill Simmons said, oh, he's going to suck. And yeah. Kevin had to defend oh, himself. Yeah. Oh, for for no. what it's worth, Poku in the G League right now, he has 21 points on 37 shots. He's oh, shooting no. tw- 22% from the field. Still hasn't attempted a free throw. Poku. Um, so, they just throw is 17 turnovers to 15 assists. Not bad assist turnover ratio. A little bit negative. Say it. The, Still negative the, though. The, <laughs> who is it? The Oklahoma Blue? They ain't using him right. No, the, uh, <laughs> the Blue are awesome too. That yeah. team's awesome, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, Blue is pretty yeah, good. They're led Purple, by Poku, Ty Jerome. Po- Poku, the youngest player to ever enter, enter the NBA since the high school age limit changed. Mm. So gotta give him time. We've seen guys suck. He's also early on in their he careers. He also weighs like, the least like, of yeah, any player to ever like, enter the league. And, and, okay, is that but like, true? All, all, all uh, these young is guys. That true? He literally weighs, weighs the least. He weighs he weighs 120 pounds, and 60 of it is his head. I, he oh, literally gosh. weighs less than me. I'm kidding. He doesn't oh, okay. <laughs> He's seven foot tall. These <laughs> skin and bones. I don't know his life. <laughs> These body shamers over <laughs> here. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> He's a young guy. He's 19 years old. Seven feet, 200 pounds. <laughs> Give him time to grow into his body. Uh, I still believe in Poku. We know you I do. I still believe. Uh, I believe. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Thanks to all of our listeners for the fantastic emails. Thanks to producer Sasha as always, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.